Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Home and away. Welcome to the Forensic Cop Preview Show. So today we're actually going to preview the Arsenal-Liverpool game coming up on Saturday. And with us today, we have a special guest. We have Chris from Goals of Our Lives from the Soccerholics TV YouTube channel, which is actually a side project of mine too. But um, yeah, Chris, welcome to the Forensic Cop Show. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be, uh, I guess, part of the club for uh, a nice preview show for what should be hopefully a, a good game and not another 0-0. Zero, zero. And I forgot to mention, too, that Chris is an avid Arsenal fan. Uh, yeah, so uh, Klopp, uh, please do not boo me, please. But uh, I'm just here to provide some insight of the other side that you guys don't really care so much about. All you guys are sounding to care about is just the three points, I presume. Well, we, we care about the, the good game, too. And I think you're we're safe not having a 0-0 draw because, I mean, you've seen Liverpool's defense lately and we've seen Arsenal's defense. So I don't think 0-0 is a threat. Yeah, that, that is true. And we're also not playing in Anfield, too, so um, you can guarantee... Because that makes a difference this year? <laughs> well, it does, actually, so at least we will score. I'm not yeah, sure at least we have a chance to win. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> if it wasn't Anfield, it's a loss for sure, but this right. way, we might actually, Liverpool might actually win. Well, we, we might actually score, first of all. That's true. Why don't we start with well, that? Well, it depends if we put Firmino in to start or not. Oh, speaking of which, he's back in training. I heard that, and I'm really depressed about it. Why? Like This is part of your front three that's been dubbed the front three that's going to carry you to glory. It's done it all. but So, so the key word there is dubbed, right? Like Yeah. So well, I, I, I was, actually, was going to pick a different word, which was done. I agree with the done. The, the front three has been done. They're over. It's just not working anymore. Yeah, so Chris, um, as an outsider, what are your thoughts on our front three, past, future, and present? I think the front three is Liverpool's response to previous front threes that have dominated Europe, such as, you know, MSN and uh, whatchamacallit? BBC. Uh, BBC as well. And some of the other ones, like I think even PSG was trying to create one. I think Bayern has its own unique one, including Lewandowski, uh, Sané, and uh, as well as uh, Coleman. So it's been very reflective of how soccer's moved towards. And I think Liverpool's strength in the 4-3-3 has been great. But as you probably have learned most likely this season, um, people have kind of figured it out. Similar to how uh, Chelsea's Conte, uh, when they started the 3-5-2, it was unstoppable. No one could deal with it for like six months to nine months. But then the following season afterwards, people started to figure it out. And as I found with this Liverpool front three, if they're not getting the service that they need, and once again, I hate to highlight the weakness of this Liverpool side, but you really are missing that influence of Virgil van Dijk because I think with a player of Virgil's caliber, it's not only just his presence at the back, but the fact that if I have Virgil van Dijk behind me, that you know the whole team, like the whole two lines, three lines in front of him could push up an additional five, ten yards, which means maybe let's say the front three doesn't need to push uh, back as much, that changes Liverpool's whole entire game plan, and that's what I've ultimately have been seeing with Liverpool. Uh, my brother's a Liverpool fan, so uh, if he ever does get a chance to listen to this, please know that uh, that's my reason why Liverpool's been performing poorly this season, is uh, the fact that they have to track back an extra 10 yards because they don't have Virgil van Dijk to say, no, it's okay, you know, you can stay up the pitch, you know, but that, that's football, literally at the micro scale, I guess you maybe would call it for those uh, fanatics out there. 
So here's my, here's my one question for you, though, on that. I do, right. get, I do get Virgil van Dijk at the back. And if you've watched any of the games, can you honestly say, does Salah look dangerous anymore? No, I think uh, I, I don't like to get into the rumor mill, but that's usually when most people do get into the rumor mill. So I will probably follow suit with those. I think he's debating. He's at a crossroad right now of trying to understand where is his uh, next challenge. And what frustrates me a lot right now, but also is very reflective of Liverpool, because I've had this discussion over with my brother. I think for Liverpool to compete with the Holland or Mbappe sweepstake that I think every fan's been trying to fancy book for their team this upcoming summer, I think one of the front three needs to be sold. I don't see this Liverpool side being as great as it has been if you guys didn't sell a player like Coutinho for the money that you guys did. And I don't see you guys getting cash injections because I know Pep uh, a couple weeks back was mentioning the only reason that we're in first place is because we spend more money because we have money. And you know what? That is true. But this Pep actually said that? Something along those lines. And he did. Call it arrogant, which I do. And I'm not the biggest Pep fan. I'm not here to be like, oh my gosh, he's revolutionizing football again. He has done that. That's great. I applaud that. But I really do appreciate that Liverpool side. There was more story, more for what I enjoy as a soccer fan, as just like the build up. There's history. You know, you see the pieces coming all together. This team's kind of been a decade in the making and then to finally get the crescendo and finally win the EPL title. And then, you know, people are trying to criticize this, criticize that you guys won the champions league. You guys won the super cup. I probably presume as well. So it's, it's good. Liverpool's kind of more my style of football preferred versus like a Manchester city. But then I'd be a hypocrite if I said, I like Manchester city because then I also kind of like the PSG model over in, you know, French football, but different leagues, different flavors. So I'll save that for another one for you guys, honestly. Well, I mean, didn't isn't Arsenal trying to, if not get the same players, uh, or the players of the same caliber? Isn't Arsenal coaching and and positioning and philosophy similar to Man City? A little bit, but it's kind of a twist. I almost want to say that Arsenal is an in between of Liverpool and Manchester City. I think from a positional sense we're trying to mimic what Manchester city has where players are in certain quadrants, but the trigger point. So I almost want to say that we're a bit closer to that peak Barcelona that everyone became very obsessive about like the tiki taka, you know, Oh no, we lost the ball. We have to press in, you know, five seconds after not having the ball and like, Oh, that's phenomenal. And you know, that like everyone has in their head. That's what I see with this Arsenal team, but like not in the sense of like, okay, the trigger is the ball. It's maybe like, okay, the ball went to the left back. And when he receives the ball, he has a poor first touch. That's when we press, that type of thing. Is that so, a style that you were already on the road to implementing, or did that come from Mikel Arteta? I think it is step two. So I, if I recall correctly, the four-step process that he was trying to explain, I think step one was trying to be in the right position. Step two was trying to know where to pass the ball, I guess. And then, like... I'm butchering his explanation, so I do apologize that I don't have all the research. But I know like step four of his process that he's trying to work with the team is when you receive the ball. So let's say David Luiz receives the ball at the left center back position. He already subconsciously knows the to swing the ball 40 yards across because Saka is making a break for that space subconsciously. Where it 
seems like it's fluid football. Like they're already like two steps ahead. That's what he's trying to work his way to. It hasn't been there, but when it has been, I think uh, Arsenal had a couple repeat goals where we were doing the same thing where it was like similar to like 17 to 27 passes through the buildup to break down the team and scored the same goal in the same fashion, which I think is phenomenal. That's an incredible achievement. And that comes down to how you build your team from the back, which I think has been Arteta's uh, main strategy this year was sort out the back, sort out how the team presses from the front to protect the rest of the team when we lose the ball and hopefully get certain players like a William or a Pepe or, you know, a Martinelli or everyone's favorite player from at least Arsenal's perspective, Saka, to like kind of have a breakout season and just try to be able to perform. Because I really do feel Arsenal was let down uh, last season on on their way to the FA Cup run from the lack of performance from the wingers. Even though Pepe, in my opinion, did good, I think that the Arsenal fan base, uh, um, because of the price tag, they were expecting 20 goals and 20 assists, which I think is very unreasonable. And let's be honest, to be a football fan is to be unreasonable. So uh, <laughs> I understand that as well, but... Let's be realistic here. You know, you sign Pepe, he's 24, he's a project. And uh, that's how I see him at the end of the day. So, Well, I mean, we're a year on. Do you think he's evolved this year? Yes, I think he's he's becoming more confident. I think his biggest issue is something that I had an issue with Theo Wolcott back in the day. And I still do to a certain extent. He's too quick for his own good. So... What that results in is that your decision-making kind of gets hindered because of that, if that makes sense. Like, he has so many options that he's aware of, but he can't select the right one at the right time. And that is, in itself, a really good skill to have and also a very difficult skill to master. Like, there's some times where you would think, like, oh, it's the... I have to pass here for the short pass and then call for it back. Or maybe instead the better decision would have been to like dummy to the right and then like, you know, dribble past the guy and then play your teammate through because then you've taken out the teammate versus instead of the ball doing the work to kind of draw on the guy. I don't know. So, you know, soccer, that, that, that's why I enjoy about playing it is like, you never know who you're going to like, depending on the matchups, like even to actually focus, I guess, a bit more back on today's, or the upcoming game with Liverpool and Arsenal, it's going to be interesting to see the matchup because for me as an Arsenal fan looking at this game, I'm going to be like, Liverpool should beat us. The only way Arsenal is going to win this game is how they attack the space of the centre-backs because you guys have your new signings or if Fabinho is healthy and such because I know you guys are getting a lot of players back from injuries and such, how that performs well. And as well, you guys don't have a lot of players that went away on international duty. Like Trent stayed. That's one name that comes to mind. And if he's, you know, raring the go, that's going to be a very interesting battle between him and uh, Kieran Tierney, which I think has been one of the most uh, most improved players from uh, Arsenal's perspective. And it seems like he's been at the club for 10 years, the way how he performs and, you know, calls out people. So I'm just looking at the lineup from the last time we played back in September, I think it was. Yeah. For, a little, little bit different. We, we may have lost a guy or two along the way. Well, see, that's the thing. Um, I hadn't realized that we actually had this team this season, but in goal we had Allison, then we had uh, Alexander Trent, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson at the back, Keita, Fabinho, Wijnaldum in the middle, Salah, Firmino, Mane. I mean, that's that's quite incredible. Um, that's theoretically our team. 
Right. We just haven't had them a lot. You would take, say, Henderson or Thiago, right? However, that is our team. And quite naturally, we we won the game 3-1. But really, when you look at that, you're really only taking the center backs out of the out of the picture. So, Chris, to your point, there is an obvious weakness to to um, press against against uh, Liverpool. However, we know that we have that weakness, so we will shield against it. But the rest of the pieces are there, so I think... Because yeah, really? we'll still play the high line. Like, at the end of the day, the question really does become, our center backs are going to be... Um, we're going to ride with Kabak and, uh, and Matt Phillips again, because... Right. They yeah, are we, we center backs, and so obviously we're going with them. But do we really think that I would I would presume Obama Yang would be at the top of there for Arsenal? Do we really think he can't outrun both of them? Because frankly, I think he can get behind them pretty easily. I think he's a lot faster. I don't think we'll we'll see the same game that we did against Chelsea. Let's put it that way. I don't think we'll just tease with the high line every single play. And of course, we have. Fabinho back in midfield as well. And we will have a lot of the ball and we'll also be pushing them too. Let's, let's not forget about that. So let me ask you this then. Um, so Liverpool have played a lot of games and it seems like teams have started to figure out all you need to do is pack 11 men in the box and we can't score and then you try to counterattack. Do you think Arsenal is going that way or do you think Arsenal is going to legitimately try to control some of the ball? Uh, looking back as well to that game... So before I answer your question, I'll throw out a lovely fact. Uh, so this app I'm using has broken down the last couple games of like our clubs having a matchup here. Um, Arsenal's with six wins. Liverpool's been with eight. And 11 games have been draws between that. So in total, we're looking at about like the last 24 matches. And that goes back all the way to like 2010, August. So in the league altogether. League, uh, FA Cups, EFL Cups. Charity Shield and everything else. Okay. Yeah. So looking at that, obviously I, I would prefer the favor Liverpool, even though I'm an Arsenal fan here. Uh, because for me, at the end of the day, like when I look at both respective clubs, the Premier League position doesn't really matter too much to me, personally speaking. I don't speak for all Arsenal fans. I'm only speaking for myself. I am only caring about Arsenal in Europa League. And I'm very grateful that they beat Tottenham. But looking here at this match, I do see Arsenal maybe setting up maybe for a draw, even though it is a home game. So I can see them playing three at the back. But if they're ambitious and if they are well-rested after the international break, they are wanting to capitalize off of the recent Derby win, I do see them going with a similar lineup to what they went with against Tottenham for the success. And the issue that you may have here is that you mentioned the Bamiang, but I think Lacazette's going through the middle because what I can see is Lacazette drawing the attention of both your center backs and the wingers from the outside positions going to attack the space that the center backs are being drawn from or an overlap. For instance, if Saka goes deep and capitalizes on the fact that your fullbacks We'll be pushing up high to create that width for you guys to be as dynamic and dangerous going forward. I definitely can see Arsenal exploiting that. So I don't want to necessarily say that we'll be packing 10 people in the box. It all depends if Liverpool's comfortable with the ball in possession, personally speaking, because I've also seen some teams this season as well. When I've gone over to watch my brother, you know, 
tell me like, yo, Liverpool's going to win this game or, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really worried about this game. Like uh, the United versus Liverpool game comes to mind. Um, I felt like in some of those games, teams gave Liverpool the ball because I almost want to feel Liverpool wants the other team to have the ball. You press the ball and win it high up the pitch. So then you guys can maintain your high pressure to, you know, counterattack and go direct to goal. But I feel if you guys have the ball and you guys don't have that, that, Technical midfield. I'm not sure what your group's opinion has been on uh, Tiago for you guys, but um, if you guys do have him in the lineup and he's not injured, I think you guys could deal and handle with that possession as long as you guys can get around the Arsenal press personally. Well, I mean, in my mind, um, I'm really worried this is going to turn into another Chelsea game. So to to your point of is Arsenal going to be happy walking away with a draw it feels similar to the chelsea game where chelsea would have been happy walking away with the draw and you could tell and it was just a cherry on top that they stole a goal yeah and i could very much see this happening again and isn't that frustrating (laughs) i don't know i well it, it it's it's been a while since we've played a game it's been a few weeks but I suspect that the next couple of games for Liverpool will see us come out of that funk of not being able to get shots on target and, and score goals, and then teams will change their mindset and and um, no longer try to just defend and allow us to have the ball. You, you, you could call that wishful thinking, but I also don't think that Arsenal defends that solidly as a team as well. It, it, it honestly depends. Like... If David Luiz is in the back line, I know he provides a lot of experience and he's a good quarterback to build the attacks going forward. But I hate to say this because everyone else says it, but he does need three guys. He needs to be in like a three center back setup to really be protected. So that way he could be that quarterback and then he's lessened some of that defensive responsibility. Because well, I, like I, I take into account like when I'm playing soccer, for instance, when I'm playing soccer and there's like, four people in the back line, that means you each have to cover 25% of the pitch. But if you have a five people in the back line, you're down to 20%. That means you have to run 5% less. And for a player like David Louise, I feel if you give him additional responsibility, especially if your fullback's making the overlaps and everything else, that minimizing the space that you need to be responsible with and just having the numbers back there, I think is very important. Now, as I said before, I don't want us to have 10 guys, you know, behind the ball playing with Liverpool because I think we're playing almost into your hand, I would like to say, because I would like to expect that Liverpool has learned to deal with a deep block because that is their kryptonite. And if you guys don't have a plan B for that, well, I think Arsenal may walk away with the three points. And they've had two or three weeks to work on that, right? Which is well, they have the other thing is no, and, and again, no offense to Arsenal, but David yeah. Luiz is what David Luiz is, which is if Salah, Mane, I'm assuming Firmino's not going to start, and Jota, Salah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, knowing oh, that'd be depressing. He's been there like, in training. David Luiz against Salah or Mane, if if they can get inside a bit and come right at him. I I see him giving up a penalty shot. Like he just he knows he can't keep up with them, and and he's he's a he's a smart guy, but he also seems to be kind of a bit of a magnet for that stuff. 
So I could potentially see Liverpool walking away with a one nothing out of a penalty shot because David Luiz just got beat and knew and had to pull him down. Yeah, I can see that. For me, and this is a bit more of a shift of comparison. So Arsenal, after this match, they go to Europa League. Liverpool, after this match, they go to Champions League. And when you usually have a European game after a big match in the Premier League, now we got a question. Do you think Klopp is going to be focused on this match against Arsenal? Especially if the league title's gone. I know you guys are maybe still fighting for top four. I'm looking at the table here. You guys are about five points off of Chelsea. I think this is obviously a must-win game because... You want to do good on all the competitions that you're still involved in. And the one competition you rarely ever drop out of is the Premier League because, you know, it's it's a marathon. And I know you guys had a big slip-up. wasn't your fault. Just for me, the slip-up happened because of burnout. You know, you guys can't perform as a well-oiled machine. This isn't a video game. Eventually, you're going to break down. But I still propose the question. Do you think Klopp is going to put his best lineup forward or is he going to sacrifice this to stay focused on the Champions League. Because if you guys hypothetically win Champions League, because you guys are still in it, you guys go on the pot one. And pot one's the equivalent of where Man City is right now. If Man City's to go on to win the league, which they probably should. And that's also my hope as an Arsenal fan as well, is that if Arsenal wins Europa League, they get slotted in the pot one. That's why I don't understand why people... For me, at least, they're complaining about, oh, Arsenal's not in the top four. Or they're not in the European place. I'm like, why would I want to be in pot four where I'm going to have to play some of the top teams in Europe? I'm trying to advance as far as I can into the knockout round and then hope for the best. Well, let's face so, it, though. In, in the Champions mm-hmm. League, for the most part, the good teams always end up having a, a, a pretty decent chance of coming out of their group, right? Yes. Just of the way that the pots work. Uh, for some reason... There's always one bad team in pot one and a bunch of good te- uh, teams in pot two or three, and they it, it just works itself out that way. But mm-hmm. um, I I suspect that Klopp will go strong against Arsenal and Real Madrid because there's about four days in between, the Saturday and the Tuesday. Then there's and, and there's been a three-week break. And there's been a three-week break. He he has half of his team at, at, at uh, I was going to say Melwood, but at the Access Training Centre that haven't played internationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the team against Aston Villa, that's where he'll now rotate. Um, unless we we beat Arsenal and then Chelsea loses and suddenly the top four becomes more realistic, then he may not go as weak against Aston Villa. However, for sure against Arsenal and Real Madrid, I think he's going strong. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, so my worry is not that Klopp is looking past this game, but that some players on the team are looking past this game. And and number one would be Salah. Salah. Because you got to believe that Salah is looking at Real Madrid and he wants... I mean, I don't know if he's just not hungry right now or what it is that he's not scoring, but if there's a team he wants to score on, it's Real Madrid. So I'm hopeful that Klopp is able to rein him and whoever else in and, and get a good game. What I will say is I actually expect a good game for the first time maybe this year out of Alexander-Arnold. Because I think getting left off of the England team might be the first kick in the pants he's gotten in several years. I think it's make or break, right? We'll, we'll now see what he's truly made of. Um, it's it's on him. Never mind the Euros. It's on him to at least um, reclaim his spot back in the England team in in the eyes of the public. Whether or not 
Gavin Southgate's picks him is, is up to him, right? But if if the, the the country sees that, yeah, he actually deserves to go because of how he's raised his game, that's all I care about, right? Um, yeah, but he's going up against Tierney. I, uh, I'm not so uh, I'm not so thrilled about that one. Haha, that's good. I'm, I like to hear compliments about this Arsenal side. So I'll propose a question to you guys, even though I know I'm the guest. Who on the Arsenal squad? Name two players that can ruin your day, personally, based off of what you've been paying attention from Arsenal. Lacazette. Lacazette, I would say maybe Obama Yang too, and uh, Tierney. I would say the three of them are the only ones that I would actually be afraid of. I'd actually say Odegaard as well. Odegaard and Lacazette for me. Okay. So you you guys are discounting Saka. I know when... The reverse picture happened. He had a very poor game. He had some poor touches. He got let down by the occasion. But I'm expecting him to make a difference in this match. If Arsenal is to come out with all three points, personally speaking, I think he has something to prove, just like Trent does, to get his name on that shortlist on the plane to the Euros. And I think he's been having a sensational season as a right winger. Was he in the latest squad? I don't believe so. Okay. I didn't. I That's haven't watched the Euros. I haven't been following him as much, but I know looking ahead at uh, Southgate's short list of twenty-three, I know he's a name that's been floating around. But it's it's a completely different team. You know, Saka walks into Arteta's team, but does he walk into Southgate's setup? Because you know, if Saka doesn't make it, you know, there's already like six or seven other players. But uh, they are quite stacked in that area. Exactly. And, and, and that's the unfortunate part when, like, you have so much quality in, like, one or two positions, but then you can barely find, like, a good center back, for instance, for England. You know what I mean? Or a good center midfielder that can go box to box. So a player's versatility and ability. Like, one name, and this is an outside name, I think Eric Dyer will probably make that, you know, Euro squad 23 for, for England because of his versatility. Even though he hasn't had the best season, he hasn't been starting all that time for that uh, club that I can't name because I you know I don't want no uh, demonetization for you guys. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, the stinky stuff. Right. So all, all I would say, my big, my big worry, the reason I'm worried about Tierney is because he's coming down the wing to Alexander-Arnold, who's not a great defender. And also on that side is Kabak. I have much more faith on the other side in Robertson and Phillips. So my question to you, the counter that is who is the midfielder that's usually on Trent's side? Because I know with some team setups, if the fullback pushes up high, that the center mid kind of drops back. And from what I noticed, that used to be Henderson's responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, And, And now it's Thiago. And that's why I think in correlation to why Trent's being exposed more, I think that's why. Because So so I would totally agree with you, but I've actually watched the last few games and I would honestly say that um that it on that side, I don't know. So I know when he plays in like the Fabinho position in the in the defensive midfield. Yeah, he's just he's not as good. Like Tiago just doesn't seem to have it. But when he was in playing where where Henderson's been playing, Tiago's actually been like sometimes he's the first midfielder back. I don't understand exactly how or why, but there are these weird like um, you know attacks from the other team that he's like flying in from the side of the screen, and you're like, shit, how do he get there? 
Like he just, he's actually seems to have an interesting, like good decision making to get back when he's in that position in the middle of the midfield. Not as much. So the last few games, I've actually been impressed. One concern though, with him on that side, if, if we look back, he has been uh, accountable for several close call penalty slash fouls, right from that area. And um, Trent certainly hasn't helped in that situations or in those situations, but I have noticed that uh, Thiago does uh, he does he he does give away one or two um, s- silly fouls against the more fleet-footed attackers. Oh, I mean, he's getting a yellow outside the box. We already right. know that. Like, all, <laughs> I think I think all three of us can agree. Thiago will get a yellow on a shot, like on a foul, no further than like twenty-two feet outside. It might be in the box in a penalty shot. Hopefully, it's outside. But I'm I'm totally expecting that. That's just his thing. Okay, I can see that. I'm going to propose something that I can't believe I didn't propose last time. But there's one key player that I missed, and I feel guilty for this. And I checked back to the previous match if he was involved in the lineup. But he'll give me a reason to party, and his name is Thomas. And I think (laughs) he'll be the difference in the midfield this time. I think Arsenal's midfield is going to have that type of weight that it didn't have, that type of solidity if he starts because i looked back at the last fixture and if i recall correctly liverpool just hit like one two three boom okay we won three points we'll let you guys kind of pretend to you know maybe play football and dominate us but we're already on to the next game like we're done and you know arsenal got one goal back but you know they didn't have enough to like really worry liverpool because liverpool's like oh we're not losing this well they actually scored first i believe yeah yeah they scored first we took two quickly and I agree with you. Once we took the second one, it was just a matter of time before we were going to score again. It, but I agree. That was back when we were we still had the shine of the trophy on us. Yeah. Uh, we had our full team, and it was a, it was a non-starter. Like once, once you guys scored and we're like, yeah, that's not how it goes. Score two quick goals, and then boom, we're done. Um, Jota scored late, but it doesn't even matter. Like we were, we were set. This is going to be a totally different game. Totally different. And right now, honestly, I would have said, like you said at the beginning, all things being equal, how does Liverpool not walk away with a victory? But, I mean... There's, 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 there's too many different stories into this match that, that like I'm enjoying. Like I can just pick it from different directions, and I can see the different outcomes in this that makes it an enticing match. I just hope that, because this is my personal opinion of the Premier League, whenever we've had these matches with the big clubs within the Prem... I really have been disappointed by like half of them. They've ended up being zero zero or a one one, like nothing substantial to like give us that drama that we're all seeking. Because you know, like these games have build up. Like this game versus uh, what was another game this year that didn't have any build up at all? I think it was City versus uh, United because of how the pandemic schedule was. It was like only like three days build up to the game. It was a nothing game. I think United ended up winning two nothing. And this was first versus second versus this one here. I think the winner of this gains momentum going into that last eight games to make that last push because we got West Ham, we got Tottenham. You're, you're, you guys made me say it, but I'll say your neighbors as well because I feel guilty. Everton, um, all these teams are still in the running, trying to get fourth, maybe fifth. And then depending who wins the FA Cup, 
So I think, especially coming back from this last international break, when we have this sprint towards the end, I find you need to get the three points. And so, for Liverpool, it, especially where you guys were in the first half of the season, I have to go with you guys. Not just because I'm on your pod, but I just don't see Arsenal focusing on this. Arsenal, for me, for the past three to five years, they've been a tournament team. They need to get the Europa League right this year. And I think that's where their main priority is. It would help with a win over Liverpool, but I could look the other way if Liverpool comes here, wins 4 nothing, and then be like, okay, whatever. We still have Europa League. But if we win, let's say 4 nothing against Liverpool and we go in the Europa League, oh, man, I'm going to be jumping for joy. So let me ask you, uh, who does the um, break help more, Liverpool or Arsenal? I think Liverpool. Liverpool is in a bit of a a bit of an identity crisis in the Premier League. In Europe, they're fine. They know who they are. It's kind of a break. It's like, okay, we're in Europe. Okay, like we still have that shine of like, okay, we're still a big team and you guys can get through. But in the Premier League, especially how competitive it is, I know none of us had West Ham up here. I think Southampton was up here at, in the first half of the table in you know the early parts of the season. You just don't know what you're going to get. But now that we kind of have some teams solidifying where they're going to be and, you know, still some unlikely names where they're where they are. I think Liverpool needs to climb their way back up because, look, you know, going on that little tailspin that you guys did, it was crazy. It was like two weeks. You guys went from first to fifth. Like how? It's it's been a tight league. So, I mean, I guess so. I think we can all agree Liverpool is probably going to get a bit more of a gain from the uh, the break. Yes. Um, the one caveat to that is Liverpool always seems disorganized after, um, like they seem all over the place after a break. I still remember every time Klopp takes them to like a training session in Spain or wherever he goes, they always come back and they look super weird for a game. So I actually don't know if that's what we're going to get this weekend or not. I hope you guys don't get it because for me, as a neutral, looking at this game and not as an Arsenal fan, but as a neutral, I want this to be a good match. I want this to be a 4-3. I want this to be a good game to get people excited for the Premier League again. What I don't want is two managers that come out cautiously looking ahead at their European matchup, thinking this game's more important. As a fan, you want to know that your manager is taking every game seriously. And this is a big one. It is. So so I guess let me ask all three of us. So what do we think final score is in this one? I'm gonna I'm gonna take Liverpool two one. I'm taking Liverpool two zero. I'm an Arsenal fan, I gotta do it. I take Arsenal three one. We're gonna get you guys back for what you guys did before. Okay. What? So only time will tell. So um yeah, the game's this coming this Saturday, Arsenal versus Liverpool, and we have two one, two zero. One three against. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us. No problem, guys. Thanks for joining us, and and hopefully it's an exciting game for all of us to watch. Of course. It's the Premier League. The most entertaining league in the world. For more stories, analysis, and articles, go to the ForensicCop.com website.